For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. The unsurpassed, profound, and wondrous Dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million cultures. Now I can see and hear it, accept and maintain it. May I unfold the meaning of the Tathagata's truth. Good morning, everyone. Welcome and Happy New Year. For new people, I'm Taigen Layton, the guiding Dharma teacher at Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, and I'm very happy to have speaking uh, this morning uh, Zengyu Paul Disco, my Dharma uncle, who was priest ordained by Shunri Suzuki Roshi, uh, founder of our lineage and San Francisco Zen Center. Uh, Paul was uh, Dharma transmitted by my teacher, Tenshin Reb Anderson. Uh, Suki Roshi sent him to Japan, where Paul studied uh, with Zen teachers, but also studied Zen um, architecture and temple design. Uh, and uh, so he has a, a unique uh, uh, skill set and, and is also uh, a fine Zen teacher. Uh, so, uh, and, and, uh, Paul is also our Sado teacher here at Ancient Dragons Zen Gate, our uh, visiting teacher who hangs out here regularly. So it's good to see you all, Thor. It's good to see you back. And uh, uh, so welcome, everyone. And uh, Paul, take it away. Congratulations uh, for making it into the new year and surviving the last. Um, <clears throat> new Year's. New Year's, people, people celebrate New Year's. I, for myself, I don't see New Year's as a very, as a very important uh, event. Um, a long time ago, I gave up believing in Santa Claus, and, and I, feel, I feel that New Year's is a similar kind of event. It's just uh, something that we've picked out to make a signpost in our, in our year. Some people celebrate in the fall, New Year's in the fall, like Jewish New Year's or in the spring, like Persian New Year's or, or various different times um, for, the, for the, different, the different branches of Christianity in the, in the winter. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a ritual and, and a, uh, at a point of demarcation, but for, a, for Buddhists, every day should be New Year's. So we should think of ourselves as, as a constant renewal of, um, of every day, and as and as the the teachers of past have said, it, every day is a good day. So we should hold that that the thought of it, of it being being a special beginning every every new every New Year's morning, day after day, sunrise after sunrise. <clears throat> um. We've talked about in the past, talked recently about the the the, the mirror, the 
the the the, the mirror is a symbol of of of, of our existence of our of our being and whether or not it can become contaminated with dust and whether we have to polish it constantly to keep the dust from settling on it and to keep it bright and shiny or whether there's actually no place for the dust to collect we have there's there's no 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 way of blemishing the purity of, of existence and and the and the reflection there of it uh, because the dust is not different from the mirror but how do we understand how do we understand this it's not it's not an easy question and it's not an easy practice there was a temple <clears throat> when I was when I was in Japan I, I worked for a construction company that built temples mostly temples. Sometimes we built people's fences where they didn't have enough work, but we temples were the, were the main goal of the, uh, of the company. And, um, <clears throat> but I used to, <clears throat> I used to take off time twice a year to go sit at Sashin at a, at a uh, temple in Nagoya, which was some ways away. And uh, there was a, 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 an abbess, a woman teacher that had this temple in Nagoya called, named Yoshida Roshi. And she she would house, she would uh, sponsor the session twice a year that mostly, I think I was, I think I was the only foreigner that went there, but there was, there were lay people that sat there as well. It wasn't, it wasn't just for the, the monks there. It was, um, there were lay people came from, from all around Japan and uh, um, there was this one one woman that was she seemed to be she seemed to think it was her duty to round up people for the session so she would grab a hold of me and and uh, and, and I this it was wasn't possible to say no even though even though I was practicing with a Rinzai teacher in Kyoto um, at the time but I uh, would go to the Soto Soto session and and Yoshida Roshi would invite a teacher from uh, usually from AAG, one of the AAG teachers, to come and lead the session. Um, and it was it was in an interesting part of interesting part of Japan. Japan in the early seventies was still quite poor, and this part of Nagoya was, was the, where the temple was was even poorer yet. And, it was the only place I saw really real poverty still in Japan uh, 15 years after the war. But uh, Japan went through a very hard period. And Buddhism took a very, took a big hit because Buddhism was associated with the, the powers, the, the ruling, the rulers, the, the establishment before the war. Um, and they... Many of the Buddhist priests, especially especially the Rinzai, but many of the priests were um, involved in in the war effort, in in the way of being being supporters of it. And they also the big bells that have the big Monsho bell in the in the, in the temple yard, and uh, many of them were given to the to the to the government to make down to make shell casings, and also. Also, the, uh, the the Buddhist 
temples were a seat of learning, and the priests all learned how to read and write, which was not universal in the old days. And they kept all the records, so they kept the records of who was born, who was born where, and, and what their social status was. So the Buddhist temple was also a also a um, it was it was a records record keeper, so that if you so that it was very difficult for social mobility because if you wanted if an employer wanted to know who you were or you wanted to marry somebody your record would be looked up and you would see whether you were from the right kind of family or not. Um, it was it was very, a very, very strict class stratified society. Still is now, I think, but they've lost it over. But anyway, so Buddhism was, was, was struggling to get back on its feet and to find a new presence. So this was part of, part of that outreach was to have these sessions and the bite to invite uh, teachers to come and teach and to teach the people at these sessions. And one of the, well, the two, two noticeable things that, that, I, that I got, I got from, that, from that experience was one was that there would be a break, there would be a break time in the afternoon and we would clean the temple, everybody would clean the temple. And Cleaning was done at breakneck speed. Everything was done incredibly quickly. It was people. I hear people say Zen slow, but in Japan, Zen is incredibly fast. It's faster than you can see. It's 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 all about how fast how fast you can go. It's uh, it's, it's uh, just the opposite of way it's portrayed here, which. Um, um, it's it's interesting how Zen is portrayed here because it's, you see these things like the color of eyeglasses or the color of your cell phone is a Zen color. And my daughter-in-law gave me a a poetic magnet, uh, refrigerator magnet po- poetry kit, which is a bunch of little words on a, on magnetic background that you can arrange on your refrigerator to make uh, Zen poems, supposedly. Anyway, um, they were all they were they were all things the very positive, upbeat things, um, things like um, um, the path to serenity and truth lie within. Well, I mean that's you know you can't you can't argue with that. That's that's fine. But but how do you get there? That's sort of like putting the word Chicago on the on the refrigerator. You know, if you're already in Chicago, you know how to get there. But if you're not in Chicago, it doesn't tell you anything about how to get there. It's still a distant, a distant, uh, distant city. Um, anyway, the, the misunderstanding is quite ripe in that way, and the transmission that way. But but the other the other interesting thing at this temple was written in big characters on the sliding doors, the sliding Fusuma doors. Not the shoji doors, but these are the opaque doors that are between rooms that are very light and, and slide, and you can lift them out and make one big room or they divide rooms up. Anyway, written on there was this, the, uh, the third patriarch's saying that uh, um, is that, uh, that, that the, ultimate, the ultimate way is not difficult. 
You merely need to avoid picking and choosing. So um, this is this is something that also, you know, in this country we are encouraged we are encouraged to pick and choose as much as possible. Uh, a choice is considered the, uh, the most one of the most important values. But in the from a from a Buddhist point of view and from a traditional society point of view, choice is is merely a chance to fall into a different realm. Um, the 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 the, the, the uh, classical in the in the uh, book of Serenity, it's the sixteenth, the seventeenth classical book of Serenity, is um, two monks discussing this very point, and one of them says. A hair breadth's difference is as the difference between heaven and earth. And the other, and then the, and then they ask, but, but how how do you understand that? And the other one says, a hair breadth's difference is the difference between heaven and earth. And they ask, well, how could you get that way? And, uh, and the, the answer is, I am I am I am that way. I'm just thus. What about you? How are you? How do you understand? And he says a hair's breadth difference is the difference between heaven and earth. So what? What is this hair breadth? Hair's breadth difference between heaven and earth? What is this? This. Um, what <clears throat> is that? Is it a great distance or a small distance? I know in in in, in doing a temple building. When you're making a, a wooden joinery, doing wooden joinery, you draw all the lines in ink on the wood. First, you make the wood straight and clear and smooth. Then you draw lines on it with ink for all for all the cutouts are supposed to be. And then when you cut it out, you have to, if you're more than one of you, you have to agree upon whether or not you're going to leave the line, take the line, or cut or go to the middle of the line. So that's sort of the three options of, of, of when you're cutting something out. And the line is very thin. The line is as thin as you can possibly make it, like a thread. The line's a very thin line because you're using a, a Japanese uh, uh, bamboo, split bamboo uh, ink brush to draw the lines with. It's, it's uh, another unique, unique tool, but you can sharpen it just like you would sharpen a chisel and get it very sharp. And then it splits so that it holds ink between the uh, between the, the, the pieces, and you can draw many. You can draw long, long lines using a straight edge to to uh, draw very thin, delicate lines. Anyway, so when you're when you're cutting it out with a chisel, you have to decide whether you're going to leave the line behind, or you're going to take the line away, or you're going to go to the middle of the line, which is, is a is a very subtle difference. It's the sheet of paper difference. But that sheet of paper makes a big difference when you're assembling the building. So if it's if you if you if it's too tight, then you can't it won't go together, and you have to force it with a big hammer and pound it together. And sometimes it destroys things and makes a mess. <coughs> and if it's too loose and it's wobbly and it doesn't have any strength, 
So getting that, getting that, that, getting that point just right is, is not a matter of, it's not a matter of knowledge. It's not a matter of knowing what to do and what not to do. It's not a matter of understanding the universe and what its true meaning. It's more a matter of how you hold your mouth and how you, and how you, and how you approach how you approach the cutting how you approach the cutting out from a holistic point of view so there's the same way with our understanding about the nature of, of our existence is that hair's breadth difference between what is what isn't between uh, the, the 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 purity of the mirror and the and the dusty mirror um <coughs> This is this is this is our our this is our struggle to understand how do we understand um, how do we understand this 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 difference if you if you go if you go too far well if you well and I'm I came of age in the sixties so I have the experience of of the morality of the previous morality of of, of our of our age, of what was good and what was bad, and then in the '60s that was all thrown out the window. It was, um, you know, it's it like sin. Sin was was ever present, or if it feels good, do it. You know, throw throw that all caution to the wind, <coughs> and uh, be free and just do do what feels good. Well, both of those both of those have problems, and and and, and we can fall into a, a trap on either side of that situation. And even people that have, have, have practiced for many years and have become quite adept at not at, at, at avoiding picking and choosing can fall into that trap quite easily because. What do you have left? How do you know what to do? If you're not picking and choosing, how can you decide? I should do this. I shouldn't do that. I, this is this is a good thing to do. Somebody offers me a candy bar. Well, maybe that's okay. Somebody offers me drugs. Maybe that's not okay. Somebody offers me alcohol. Somebody offers me sex. What? How do I? How do I? How do I? You know, I I've known people that have just accepted everything, and and eventually crashed and burned because they had they were they took their non-discrimination to a point of of destruction. So it's never it's never an easy question. We never 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 it's never easy to understand the hell's breadth difference between heaven and earth. Whether that is a, a space that's so broad that you can't possibly fall off, you can't possibly you can't possibly go astray or it's a space that's so narrow that the least the least little move imbalance it as they say in this case a fly landing on the balance would, would upset it so the hair's breath the hair's breath difference can be either can be understood as, a, as very narrow or very broad and so coming to terms with that is 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 our practice and and Meditation, our zazen meditation, is is our is our entry point to understand, making that understanding. But anyway, in the in the everyday world, 
there's many things that can be done. Um, my, my, my favorite thing to do this time of year here in California, the, my favorite thing to do this time of year is to plant trees. So that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. If it doesn't rain a whole lot here, it's here. We have to work. We have to think about the rain. When the rain comes and it's time to plant trees there in Chicago, that's probably the, the thaw is out. You can plant trees. But anyway, uh, this is the time to plant trees before, before everything starts to move. And, and being, being a woodworker, I find trees to be extremely important. I like to grow them. I like to, I like to plant. I like to plant them out. I like to, I like to encourage them, and then I like to make things out of them as well. They, they're, a, they're, a, they're a, an amazing source of, of, of comfort and sustenance for humankind. But for one of our best, our best friends. Anyway, um, I will let you. I will let you think about how to how to bridge the space between heaven and earth, or whether it even needs bridging. But um, for now, that we can take comfort in the fact that that every day is a good day and that the non-judgment non-judgment day is, is at hand so thank you very much so thank you very much paul uh it's, we have time for comments responses discussion please feel free uh David, if you would help me uh, call on people, you can either raise your hand if we can see you or go to the participants window in the bottom and you can, there's a function at the bottom of that to raise hands. And uh, if you're not visible, or actually we have two screens. So uh, anyway, please uh, feel free to uh, comment or uh, respond or ask questions for uh, Paul. Thank you. Uh, Joe Kai has his hand up. Hi, good morning, Paul. Um, I was hoping you could expand on um, kind of where Zen has gone since you uh, came from Japan and how it's kind of broken away from uh, like Japanese style Zen and then maybe how you'd like to see American Zen return in some ways to uh, Japanese Zen, like what ways we could incorporate uh, Japanese styles to be, I guess, more, I don't know, uh, that, that the Japanese styles that you liked that you think we should see more of in American Zen? Well, uh, first, I think we have to understand that these two cultures are extremely different, so that they, re and, and that there's, you can't get away from that, this is the reflection of, of, of time and and Japan especially is unique in the world because it it shut out all foreign all foreign in, intra, uh, in, intervention in, uh, in all through the colonial period. So for three hundred years they were isolated from the rest of the world, and they kept they kept their old feudalistic ways and their own their own internal uh, structure, and were not influenced like China was and India uh, India was and 
and everywhere else was was infected by colonialism from mostly from Europe, um, and and their cultures, their cultures were in many ways smashed and broken up, just as a way of you know that was the, the divide and conquer was the way that that, that colonialism was able to to subjugate these people, and their aristocracy was usually broken up. They so their 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 kings and their noblemen were, you know, the, they would find one and they would put him sort of as a puppet up on the throne. But they was, but they would, they would not be, they would not have the real power of a, of, a, of their previous existence. But in Japan, that didn't happen. In Japan, there was a period when the military had taken over the, the, the shogunate had taken over, and the and uh, um, and these merchant families. Merchant became merchant families became very powerful, and in the 1850s, when 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 Japan opened to the West, they opened on their own terms, with their culture intact and their aristocracy intact. And instead of being aristocrats, they became merchants, and you know now they're they call them zaibatsu. They're you know, Mitsubishi's one of them, for example, and, and they were they were, they were, became the, the corporate the corporate giants of Japan. So, so this is this is a culture that that looks at things very differently from us. Where we have, I make I make the analogy of it's like a glass, like a like a like a like a glass, like a cup, and we're all standing. All us humans are standing on the rim of the cup, but in, but the Japanese are looking into the center, very very narrow and very deep, and we are standing on the outside, looking out, very broad and very general. So, um, one of the, the the foremen that I worked with when he built this three-story pagoda, he he in his mind laid out and drew lines on the wood for the whole pagoda beforehand. He cut the whole thing out entirely uh, beforehand, every piece like a gigantic jigsaw puzzle, and and he had he had this incredible concentration and incredible mind to be able to do this. But he had no idea who the prime minister of Japan was. He had no, he he couldn't even speak Japanese. He spoke in a local dialect. He didn't even know standard Japanese. Anyway, um, it's that kind of very deep, very narrow, deep thought that that is just so completely different from us. We have this very broad. We're interested in many things. We know a little bit about this, a little bit about that. And very seldom do we penetrate too deeply into one thing. Um, so it's it's there's there's many ways in which the two, the two, the two. Well, the, the one side has a great deal of, has problems of being too too narrow, and the other side is I mean being too wide. So I've always felt that putting the two together and and, and interlacing the two was 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 the was the was the best was was the way was was the way of of um, for for Zen and the West that the, the two influences were very very uh, congenial if if they could if they could just meet in that middle point so that's you know, where is that middle point that middle point is is difficult to find it's the hair's breadth difference so if you it's it's how to find how to find that. That center, that balance point, that, that delicate balance point, is what 
for myself because all my training was was training. I had all had old Japanese teachers, you know, both in America and in Japan, and and I I became very very much involved in that world. And it's difficult for me here to even talk about these things because I see them quite differently. But I don't see them better. I just see them different. So it's how to put this together is what is the quest that I'm working on. And that's why I'm here talking to you folks now and why now that I'm not no longer building, I'm trying to figure out how to talk about that very subject. So it's not an easy subject to, not an easy subject to talk about, but it's, um, I think it's an important subject to talk about for Buddhism in America. Nicholas's hand is up. Nicholas. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much for your talk. I, I, I so appreciate uh, the depth of your practice and, uh, you know, sort of the space that you hold, um, you know, the history that you hold in the, in our lineage. Um, so deep bows to that. Um, I, um, you know, I, I, I've been practicing for many decades, but I, I haven't been a Zen student for that long. And so I am just starting to under, you know, get into the literature, but I was just wondering if, um, uh, the idea of, uh, Dharma blossoms turning or Dharma blossoms turning Dharma blossoms. I don't know if you're familiar with that is related at all to this idea of, you know, this hair's breath difference between heaven and earth. Um, no, I'm, I'm not, that's not a, not an analogy that I'm familiar with. I don't know what it, where it's from. Um, okay. it's not something that I, I, I mean, that's the problem, you know, the problem with reading about reading about these things, the words are very, very nebulous, yeah. nebulous uh, uh, structures that and if you don't have the, if you don't have some agreed upon understanding of the meaning or, or they can, it can mean almost anything. So yes. how to express well, like yourself. I, I, was, I, was, I was listening to, to, I was sitting with uh, Norman Fisher and, yeah, I, I wish I could understand. I had a better understanding so I could explain it, but I don't. <laughs> so I thought maybe it was just a thing, and that you would know what it was. But um, no, yeah, I, so. I know that Norman. Norman is fond of flowers. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. But uh, I mean, I, Norman. Norman and I were at Greenville's together back years ago. And right. His kids. His kids were the same age as my kids, so they grew up together. Um, okay. He's, well, he's, he's basically a poet, and, and I'm I'm more of a construction worker, so it's right. a little, little different approach. <laughs> well, okay. I, I I propose this. I'm going to get some more clarity from from Norman's talk, and then maybe I can consult with you. Yeah, I'd be interested in or something I'd be interested about it. More about it. Okay. I, I could say just a little bit about that. That's a phrase from. Uh, the Shobogenzo, I think. Well, it's yeah, it's from Dogen, and it's about the Lotus Sutra. And right. Dogen right, says right, right. there's a story about the sixth ancestor who you mentioned, Paul. About, but it has to do with whether you study the Lotus Sutra uh, and are turned by the Lotus Sutra, or whether you turn it. So it has to do with whether you are turned by the hair's breadth difference, 
or whether you turn the hair's breadth difference. So, right. how, it, so in some ways, it maybe has to do with how do you take care of that line that you were talking about, or whether it takes care of you, uh, just to try and put it in that context. But yeah, it's, it's about the Lotus Sutra. Thank you. Other comments or responses or questions? Uh, Xinyu has her hand up. Thank you, Zengyu, for your talk. Um, uh, it, it, this is a digression. I can't help but, but uh, think that someone is calling me when they're calling your name. But anyways, uh, um, so I, what you were talking about today um, reminds me of a evening chant uh, that I used to hear of. Oh, can, can you hear me clearly? Okay. Much. Um, and an evening chant I used to hear of, uh, and um, one of the sentences, the great way lies beneath our feet, extending freely in every direction. And, um, and that speaks of the, how wide uh, this, I don't know how wide the practice can be. And, but it, it sounds like it doesn't seem that it means that whatever you do is right. Like you can do whatever. And um, so I just wonder from what point of view does this sort of um, whiteness come from? Like my, my intellectual mind thinks that this is some sort of like in the absolute eyes, <laughs> uh, this will be uh, like the, the way is very wide, but in our daily life, we need to, I don't know, absorb, observe some sort of uh, rules or guidelines. But I, I'm just confused about this, and I wonder if you can comment about that. Thank you. Well, this, this, this is, this, I mean, this is the, the, the question we're talking about here now, and uh, an example of it was down at, I think maybe I've mentioned it before, down at Tassahara when, when we, when we were in doing, when we were in the macro, macrobiotic period, when food was very scarce, our food was very limited to lentils and brown rice, and um, and we were all young and vigorous and hungry, and we would sneak into the kitchen and steal food at, at night, and uh, some of the leadership in the community thought that wasn't a good idea, and they went to the teacher who was who was had been imported from Japan by Suzuki to uh, because people thought people said he thought that he wasn't strict enough. And so he brought this teacher. He was the, the, what was his role? He was the, the, and anyway, he was one of the head teachers at a, at, at Aheji, the headquarter temple in Japan. And he was known as the as a champion sumo wrestler as well. So he was supposed to be this rough, tough, Zen master from Japan. He was going to teach us how to, you know, shape us up. And um, so we went to him and asked him, what, what should we do about people stealing food? And he said, um, take the locks off your mind and put them on the door. So, so instead of, we were leaving the door wide open and, un, un, and people would just go in and steal food. And we were like, 
you were supposed to, but your own moral, your own moral compass, you were supposed to know not to steal food. So it was up, it was up to the individual and up to their sense of guilt or, or shame to not steal food. And he said, forget that, just, just lock the door and then let your minds be free without having any guilt or any shame. <clears throat> so, so this is, this is, this is a, that's a very good example of that East-West difference <coughs> of whether the precepts should be swallowed strictly or whether they're just, just uh, situational guidelines for the moment. But in Japan, <coughs> excuse me, the way it's the way society is set up, there's these very strict rules and regulations about what you can do and can't do. It's a very, very rigid, strict, rigid society. And everybody knows, just like we know, you can't throw a rock and break glass. You know, there's certain things that be that that we know that we learn as children that you that you just don't do. You don't you don't you don't break the window. You know, but in Japan, there's hundreds of them. You don't step on the threshold. You don't do this. You don't do that. Anyway, and so 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 then you're you're that's like putting a lock on the door. Your your physical presence is locked up. But so then you can think and do, you're totally free to think and do whatever you feel. And if any of you read those manga, comic books, you know, the, the Japanese manga, you can see there's very wild imaginary life going on there. Anyway, so they have that, that's their way of dealing with it. But we, we don't have that. Here in this country, pretty much, you, know, you can do pretty much anything. I mean, there's no, there's, there's if you don't, if it doesn't work with one group of people, you go, you find somebody who, who accepts you doing something, some weird thing. You know, whether you want to wear clothes, don't wear clothes, you want to shave your head, or you want to wear tattoos, whatever. I mean, it's, it's all, all that sort of, you have freedom to do all of those kind of things. But, but you're then, you're held in check by your, by your social morality. So, so it's, 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 um, it's not, Anyway, we have to find some way between those. Those are those are the two the two poles, the two sides of that question. And we have to find some way. And 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 in Buddhism, it's basically the precepts. The precepts are are there to uh, you know if you don't if you don't if you if you don't know what to do, just check out what the what the the ancients have said and follow the precepts. It's it's. It's not like it's, you know, the, the, the it's, just, it's just a guideline for how to be a human being. So, so, we, that's, so we have the precepts in, in Buddhism. But basically, there's no, there are no, you know, the, the, the way, the way is, the way hopefully is so wide you cannot possibly fall off. Oops. So Dylan has sent me a question because his uh, audio on his laptop is bad. Actually, it's a comment uh, and and then a question. And the comment is, uh, I can't believe you don't believe in Santa Claus. That's the comment. (laughs) And and then the question is, uh, the question is, second, Tygen asked me to ask you for a story or two about people not getting along with Shunryu Suzuki. Wow. I'm sorry, the last part, I didn't get that last part. Well, um, it, it says, Taigen asked me to ask you for a story or two about people not getting along with Shunryu Suzuki. 
not getting along with him. <laughs> yeah, that's what well, I don't. That's pretty hard to come up with, but I'll give it a try. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I was I was crippled as a child. I, I grew up I grew up with these Marxist atheist Marxist um, parents and family, third generation, three generations, and um, they did not. They believed that that Santa Claus was the dupe of the capitalists to get people to be materialistic and buy things. And uh, and they didn't they didn't go along with it. Um, we did have we did have Christmas. My grandfather would go out and cut a tr- Christmas tree out in the forest, and then he'd come back and drill holes in it because you know forest trees are not so perfect, and it, and it had extra branches around with the, by drilling holes and sticking extra sticking extra branches to make it fill it out. And then one year he took a, a big olive oil can that had sort of a silver you know those big olive oil cans that that have the silver lining inside. He took a pair of tin snips and cut out the star and uh, made a little, little little space for it to go around the, the top of the tree. And then on the star, they cut out a red paper and hammered sickle and glued that onto the star. And that was our <laughs> Christmas tree that year. <laughs> anyway, um, so you can see the Santa Claus was was not, not highly valued. Um, uh, although I did get a present from Santa Claus one year, I, 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 I think I was maybe six or seven, and I, I, I really wanted a, a brace and bit, you know, that you drill holes with, the old-fashioned kind of thing before they had electric, you know, that you drilled holes with. I just really wanted, I've always wanted woodworking tools from a very early age. And my grandfather said that that was not an appropriate gift for a boy my age. And he said, what would you want that for? Anyways, at come Christmas, there was the box with a brace and bit that said from Santa. So Santa did figure it a little bit. But as far as people not getting along with was was Shinryu Suzuki, <clears throat> um, <coughs> he was a, he was pretty hard not to get along with <coughs> because he didn't off, offer a very big target. Um, I, the one thing I could think of, but he did, he did, he did every once in a while. He would he would give people their comeuppance. <coughs> There was, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, there was a time in the old temple. We, we, we used to we, we had the old synagogue on Bush Street before we had Page Street, with, with that we shared with the Japanese congregation, and um, we would sit upstairs in that in the, the I don't know what you, what that room would be. It was a common room just off of the. Just off of the living quarters, the priest's living quarters, there was a sort of large common room, and we'd sit in that zazen there. And then uh, Suzuki had a little office on the on the side near the stairs, and you could either go out through the big door, go out into the main into the main balcony, it's up to the second floor, main balcony, go down the big stairs there, or you could go into his office and then out another door from his office and under the stairs. And after zazen, we would all line up. We'd all line up and we'd go through his office and he would stand there by the office door and he would bow to each one of us as we as we left his office, as we left the room. So that was sort of the ritual after Sazem. He would, he would have this, he would stop and he would bow. And um, one day, one day actually, this is, this is beside the point, but anyway, one day he, he, when he was bowing to me, and this is something I'm very proud of, he stopped, he bowed to me, and he reached down in the garbage can, and he, and he brought out this colorful flyer that had, like, 
things for sale, like they're, they're on sale at the local Japanese store. It was all, it was all in Japanese. And it was color. It was colored, but it was he put it in the waste paper basket. It was just an advertising flyer, and he gave it to me like it was a great, like it was a very important piece of paper, a very important thing, and and I accepted it that way, and I kept it. I kept it on my home altar as a as a, as this as a gift for years. I don't know whatever happened to it, but anyway. But one, but we at that time we had this this one of the one of the older teachers, one of the older students. I mean was this man named Richard Baker, who later became Abbott after Shunyu Sh- died. But at this time, this was like years before that, and he was he was a, a, an interesting character, shall we say, and a very flamboyant character, going through a lot of life changes at that time. Anyway, he was also a very important person, and so he would he would have trouble waiting in line to, to go through the go through the office and bow. This took a lot of time. So he would go out the main door and slip around and then go down the stairs. And somehow or other, Suzuki, although he had his back to the stairs, he saw him do it. And he ran outside. He had his little teaching staff with him, a little stick with him when he bowed. And he, he saw him go out and he went out and he reached over the balustrade and as he was going down the stairs. He hit him with a stick. Bam, bam, bam. Pounded him with a stick. So uh, uh, that was that was maybe the closest closest thing I could think of of somebody that. that but I've seen him. I've seen him on a few occasions do things like that. But I don't know about. I can't think of anybody that found fault with him in some way that was noticeable. At least if it's there, I plotted it out in my mind. That's an inside story from the history of, of San Francisco Zen Center. Thank you, Paul. Other comments or questions or responses? Paul, please. Uh, Jason. Um, just a tangential question. So that Christmas gift from Santa, what did you end up drilling? What, I'm sorry, what, what, what did I end up drilling? Yeah, with that Christmas gift that was inappropriate <laughs> for a six or seven-year-old. Oh, I, I, I added it to my toolbox and I used it every chance I could. Um, anyway, I was very, very proud of that it. It lasted a long time. I think I took it to Tassajara with me when I went to Tassajara finally, and I think it got swept up in the shop tools at Tassajara. Um, it's probably maybe still down there now. I don't know. <clears throat> um, no, no, I took it to Japan with me. That's what I did. I took it to Japan with me. Wow, I, I kept that thing a long time. And then... No, but I shipped all those tools back to I don't know. It disappeared somewhere along the line. <clears throat> that in itself is kind of crazy. Those auger bits last forever. Uh, that's a pretty amazing gift. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's a, it's an indestructible tool basically because it's not used in any kind of violent way. But uh, uh, 
time and time and time and human hands have a way of making things change location. Paul, I have a question. Um, going back to the issue of the difference between Japanese Zen and American Zen, whatever this is, <laughs> um, could Mike, could you say what you think of as the uh, strangest or most peculiar part of Japanese Zen to you and the strangest part of American Zen to you? <laughs> and, and we won't be offended, whatever you say. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I, I, I think, I mean, I was, came face to face with that, with these, these magnets, these poetic, these magnets with all these words on them. And I, and so they were coming to dinner. They came to dinner yesterday. And so I wanted to put something on the refrigerator field to show them that I used their gift. And I, I, I had a hell of a time finding enough words there to put together anything that made any sense um, because there were no negatives. Everything was sweetness and light. It was all, you know, sort of all friendly words. There was nothing negative. And, um, um, and it was all, it was all sort of superlatives or, you know, I mean, how do you use the word Zen in a poem without it being looking st stupid? You know, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, I don't know. It was, it was, it, I just had an awful time trying to figure out how to come up with a poem. I finally, I finally came up with what I thought was a pretty good one actually, but, um, <clears throat> but it's, it's, you know, we, we believe, we believe in nice, you know, Christians believe in nice anyway. And, and it's and we want to be, do good and be be nice to our neighbors and 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 um, think about things positive and happiness. Happiness is a very important value in in Western in Western thinking. You know, um, where where none of that is 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 is, is, is not it's not an important Zen concepts. Happiness is just a way of bringing in bringing in suffering. It's just a source of suffering. Um, I think the 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 biggest problem with, with with Japanese Zen is that it's that it's it's so formulaic. It's formulaic in the sense that there's it's a it's a it's a it's a written pattern. It's a it's a you do this and then you do this and you do that. Um, it's the subtle. The differences are very subtle, which is something that I that, that I appreciate. But it's virtually, virtually impossible for us to do. Um, I think I don't know. The one example that comes to mind is that I've grown bonsai all my life. I started when I was ten growing bonsai, and I have this collection of bonsai trees that I've grown all these years, and some of them are you know sixty years old now, and. Um, and they're all different shapes, and they were they were shaped by you know cats knocking them off, or bicycles falling on them, or or me being overzealous one year. They've had a rich karmic life, but in Japan, bonsai trees there's a formula for each kind of tree, and it should have this many branches that should be shaped just this way, and then 
the, 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 the beauty of it is in how the subtleties of how they, those, those, those fixed elements are combined. Um, uh, it's, it's just, it's just so very different. I don't know. It's, 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 um, on one way, on one way, it's the, the one way there's the, the depth, the depth and the subtlety is quite wonderful. But on the other hand, it's the, the, the chance for spontaneity is virtually non-existent. Uh, before I call on David Weiner, I just want to thank you, Paul, for pointing out that Zen is not about being nice. That's very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> well, it considered, I mean, you know, that's, that's in Japan in general, if someone is nice to you, you, you know, you're in deep shit. Because, because <laughs> that's, that's that, when somebody is nice, but I, one time at, at, at Suzuki Roshi's temple in Japan at, at, um, at uh, 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 Rinso Inn, uh, uh, his, his son, Hoitsu's wife, whose name I can't remember right now, she was quite a powerful lady. Anyway, I was there, for, I was there, and the plumber, the plumber had come and done something into the house, fixed something, or put something in, and it didn't work, and, and there was a problem with the plumber. The plumber had done something that, 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 <clears throat> that had been a, and she called up the plumber, <clears throat> and 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 he came up there to to fix it, and she was so polite and so nice to him. At the same time, she was ripping him a new asshole. I mean, she was just taking him to shreds, but doing it so nicely and so politely, and so <laughs> so you know, it was just, yeah, it was it was amazing. It was wonderful to see. But if somebody yells at you and shouts at you and shouts at you and says, "No, that's not good enough." That means that they respect you and they think that you're on the right track and that you just persevere, try a little harder. It's just it's just a very different, a very different approach. If you yell at somebody here, I mean that's trouble teaching teaching carpentry here too. You know, if you yell at somebody here like I was yelled at in Japan, they would either pull off and hit you or they would go away with their tail between their legs and not come back. I mean, that's not it was um, and we're just not set up for that kind of direct criticism. <clears throat> David Weiner. You need to unmute yourself, David. Thank you. I hope this doesn't sound like vain speech. <laughs> um, but most people know I lived in Japan for a long time teaching school. So I had a, a, a good exposure to Japanese society uh, over a course of 11 years. Um, but going back to what Jokai said a little bit, um, and I want you, Paul, maybe to comment on this a little bit. Also, uh, two things. One, there's a Japanese folk say, saying that the deitaru kugi wa ataru, the nail that sticks out gets pounded down. I mean, so you're, you talk about coming in that kind of attitude and then coming to America where everything is freewheeling. <laughs> I don't know if there is a somewhere in the center we can meet, but to say you want to make American Zen more like Japanese Zen, I think you're you're running into a cultural problem uh, in that sense because the the whole concept is is very very different. And going with uh, Paul just said they they have a, a phrase called tatemai and homemei, 
Tatamai is the face I have in front of you. So when I'm in front of you, I'll be very polite and I'll be saying things, but it's the words that are underneath <laughs> your true face, your home may. That's what is, is, uh, has to be buried, but it could come out. It could seep out in little ways, like Paul was saying, being very polite to the uh, plumber at the same time, you know, really putting them in his place, but doing it very politely. It's important to do it very politely. Um, Paul, do you have any comment on what, what I just said? Well, I, I think your nails sticking up is a good example. But, um, that's, you know, in Japan, everybody wants to be, you know, homogenous. They, they, they don't want to stand out. Rich people look like middle-class people, and middle, poor people look like middle-class people. Everybody wants to look middle-class. And, uh, um, and nobody wants to, like, be, you know, extremely anything, you know, the the, the women are attractive, but they're not really attractive. They they hide their 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 attractiveness, you know, inside. And um, um, it, it's 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 every, you know, it's, it's just a very the homogeneity is, is is highly valued. Where here, we, we you know we're we're desperately trying to stick a nail up and catch the catch the tide and catch the way and be be the new thing and be the new the new big thing and. And we're, you know, this, uh, it's, it's, it's being creative and sticking up is, is, is considered a, a positive thing. Um, so it's, but, but there again, this is heaven and earth. We have to, we have to find that balance point between heaven and earth. And this, you know, the, or as, you know, again, Joe Cohen leaping clear of the many of the one. We have to find that, we have to find that point and, and the, the, the value and having those other, having the other side of the coin, having the other side available and exposed to us is that then we can see ourselves better. So it's, it's important, I think, to see both sides, not to just stick with one understanding. I think it's important to see the the pros and cons, the the good and the bad of the two different approaches towards, towards uh, um, the great way. Any other comments, responses, questions? Please feel free, uh, or we could we could stop there if there aren't any. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Um, for um, uh, opening up the difference between heaven and earth. And uh, uh, we'll uh, do our closing chant uh, and then have some announcements and a time for just hanging out informally. So, David, if you could give us our closing chant. Well, Tygen, I, I just saw a message. Um, Joe Kai pointed out to me that Miriam's hand was up. If there's, if there's oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see it. Oh, um, I, I'm sorry, Miriam, too. Miriam? Uh, yeah, so any, if there's time for, for more questions, if anyone has. So, Miriam? Yes. Is, am I unmuted? Am I, yes. Can you go ahead? Yes, we hear you. This is a truly uh, very simple thing, and 
um, I wanted to tell Paul that I, I'm a Canadian. My family landed in Nova Scotia. And so I heard a lot of Scots people talking. And he is the only person since then who has ever used the expression, it's all in the way you hold your mouth. So I was, I was very happy to hear that. You know, you, you would hear it a lot in everyday life. Well, how did you make that really nice cake? Well, it's all in the way you hold your mouth. How did you do this difficult thing? Well, it's all in the way you hold your mouth. So thank you very much, Paul. In addition, I really, really find your talks inspiring. I thank you for all of them. Thank you so much. Well, well thank, thank you very much. Yes, I've always liked that expression. I think it states it. It states it very. It states it very clearly, and that's that's is you have to do something, but what it is can't be spoken of. So I think it's a wonderful expression to 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 uh, have uh, to uh, explain that 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 predicament. Thank you. Wonderful. Anybody else, please? Uh, might have missed some hands. Oh, uh, Randy. Thank you very much for your talk. I enjoyed it very much, Paul. Um, um, there, there, are there different translations of that phrase, the great way is without difficulty for those who avoid picking and choosing? And then I, I think I heard a translation once that said, well, some translations are that the, the great way itself avoids picking and choosing rather than the great way isn't difficult for those who avoid picking and choosing. And I'm, I'm wondering, is there a, is there a subtle difference there? Because it seems to me um, when we get into those, us having to be so on edge on the razor's edge of picking and choosing that, um, uh, we can almost be frozen, uh, try, you know, and maybe that's our just our intellectual side. But the great way itself, avoiding picking and choosing, seems to uh, open us up to the the fact that 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 we're not separate from anything. And so, when we would pick and choose in those circumstances, with at least that feeling of non separateness, we we would act in a different way or in a more appropriate way. It uh, doesn't mean we won't make mistakes, but um, I'm just wondering about the, those translations and if, you know, if anyone has any comment about that. Well, Tiger would know better about the translations than I, but uh, that's that was that was the way it was translated to me in Japan, and the way it is in in the Book of Serenity, um, it's the ultimate way is without difficulty. It is only avoiding being choosy. Is the way it's translated by Cleary and and, and here, yeah. Um, but but basically, you know, the the great way you and the great way you are are not are synonymous anyway. So so it's your your understanding of it. I think is 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 a is goes one step further. It takes it even one step further and. and 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 resolves that dualism between you and the and the great way. So um, I like I like your concept of it. Fushin had her hand up, but Paul, just generally, do you have any comments on picking and choosing? Uh, 
Well, there again, it's we're constantly picking and choosing, and and what we it's 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 the it's the attachment to our source material, it's our attachment to, to what drives our picking and choosing. Picking and choosing alone is not a problem. Picking and choosing is only a problem if you're attached if you're attached to it. If you want if you want chocolate cake and there's and there's and there's only vanilla only vanilla cake, then you're you you have a problem. But if you're but but if you if you freely choose the the, the cake that's there, there's not a problem. So it's it's not um, uh, there's nothing wrong with picking and choosing per se. It's just that you have to not be attached to it. Thank you, Fushin. So <clears throat> I did a little bit of work on this Xin Xin Ming, and the character actually can also be translated as to suspect or 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 raise a question about. So. Um, the great way is without difficulties, only suspect or raise a question about picking and choosing Mm. so that it opens the mind to its field while the differences play out. Um, Anyway, so that might be helpful. Thank you. That's interesting. Thank you. I'll just comment that uh, Dogen, in his, his extensive record in one place, about mentions this line and then says that Garudas choose to eat dragons. So Garudas are big birds, that uh, very, very big birds, who their diet is dragons. That's what they eat. So that's their choice. We choose <laughs> to eat whatever we eat. So, uh, you know, that's, anyway, just I'll, I'll add that. But no matter how you translate it, I think we all understand that 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 desiring something and not getting it is is a cause of suffering. So um, no matter how you cut it, if you as long as you want something you can't have, or want some or or want to keep something that you do have, you're you you have a problem. So I don't know that the translation is so important. Um, just we have to understand the source, our, our, our source of our, of our suffering. So if there's no other comments or questions, maybe on that note, we'll proceed to chance. David, do you see any other? I, I do. Douglas's hand. Douglas. Oh, Douglas. Go ahead, Douglas. Yeah. Well, uh, in line with Paul's comment about attaching to the picking and choosing there, I mean, the Shishiming's been translated a bunch of ways and, other translations of those opening words are the great way is not difficult for those who do not like or dislike or for those who don't have preferences, which sort of brings in that issue of being attached to picking and choosing. And it's not a matter of, you can't make decisions. It's a matter of grasping and having a desire for a certain choice or outcome. Uh, I, I, I have I have a story about the 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 outcome from not picking and choosing, or that or they is but it's a long story. I'm not sure it's appropriate here in this time. But anyway, it was a very powerful experience for me to see this person who I knew quite well, and he he uh, 
he fell into the realm of not picking and choosing. And it was kind of like a wild fox spirit. It becomes like a wild fox spirit where he was immune to the laws of cause and effect. And it killed him. Mm. That's sad. Sounds like an interesting story. Okay, beware. So let's choose to chant our closing chant. Good. Um, so today I'm going to try to share the um, Heart Sutra audio file. Um, first, I'm going to mute everyone. And uh, then share the screen and we'll chant the uh, repentance verse three times and um, then the then the heart sutra and the well-being, well-being list so and the verse all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed hate and delusion Born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion. Born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow all my ancient twisted karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion, born through body, speech, and mind, I now fully avow. Heart of Great Perfect Wisdom Sutra, ah, ah, ah. Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, when deeply practicing Prajnaparamita, clearly saw that all five skandhas are empty and thus relieved all suffering. No, 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 no,
sights, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no object of mind, no realm of sight, no realm of mind, consciousness, there is neither ignorance nor extinction of ignorance, neither old age and death, nor extinction of old age and death, no suffering, no cause, no cessation, no path, no knowledge, and no attainment, with nothing to attain, a bodhisattva, relies on prajnaparamita, and thus the mind is without hindrance, without hindrance there is no fear, far beyond all inverted views, one realizes nirvana, all Buddhas of past, present, and future rely on prajnaparamita, and thereby attain unsurpassed complete, perfect enlightenment, Therefore know the Prajnaparamita as the great miraculous mantra, the great bright mantra, the supreme mantra, the incomparable mantra which removes all suffering and is true, not false. Therefore we proclaim the Prajnaparamita mantra. The mantra that says Gate, Gate, Paragate, Parsamgate, Bodhisattva. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the Heart of Great Perfect Wisdom Sutra. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha, our first woman ancestor, great teacher Mahaprajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma, our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Ehe Dogen, our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogaku Shunryu, the perfect wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri, and to the fulfillment of practice of all members of all Sanghas, gratefully we offer this virtue to all beings, all Buddhas throughout space and time, all honored ones, bodhisattvas, mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, maha prajna paramitam.